Morning, folks. How are we doing? Good, thank you. Morning, good. Thank you very much. Good, good. So, do you want, do you two want to give me a little bit of your background of how you got into the fire service and and what kind of what motivated you what motivated you to do it? Who wants to go first? I'll go first. So, yeah, I joined the fire service in two thousand and one. I was provoked, I think, by um, kind of my my ex boyfriend's brother to say that I wouldn't be strong enough or fit enough to join the fire service because he was looking to join at the time. So that encouraged me and really motivated me to give it a go. I didn't really know what I was doing. I didn't understand what the role of a firefighter was, the the strength or the fitness that needed, but I thought I'm going to give it a go. And uh, it, it was tough, but uh, I got I got in and I joined um, and was stationed at Highgate Fire Station in 2001 and absolutely loved every day since I uh, since I joined back then so yeah really kind of took that and thought no one's going to tell me I can't join or I'm not good enough to do it and I might not have been but if I hadn't given it a go I would not now be here doing this organizing this kind of wonderful event so yeah. So uh, what do you think was the, the hardest part about about joining up for you? I think the hardest part was doing every test and the tests are the the Tests to join the fire service now are a lot different. I didn't really understand what I was going to do, what the expectation of me was at the time. I just gave it 100%. And every time I walked away, I thought, that's another thing I've done, ticked off the box. Um, and then all of a sudden, I've done enough and I was in. Um, I did my training, my 13 weeks training, which was you know, mentally challenging, but also physically challenging. Uh, it is intense. We do lots of different kind of areas so we do breathing apparatus we do trauma management community safety we run we ran out hundreds of lengths of hose ladders road traffic collision hazardous materials for we we do condense a lot into that training at that time and that that that's that's challenging you know and um but coming out the other side and then coming onto station where then you really do start to develop as a firefighter is is one of the most kind of inspiring and challenging things that that I have done. So do you, do you find that when you actually when you when you pass your tests and you all get through and then you start actually doing the job do you find that there's a disparity between your training and the real job or is it fairly seamless to to going through or is it something that that, that can be can be quite challenging to, to to fully begin the job? I think when I joined and, and Sasha joined um, before I did, so probably had a different experience, the training really did represent what we did um, on a fire station and as a firefighter in terms of the practical element. The learning for me came around how we engage with our communities, how we work with our businesses. That is something that you learn through the experience and knowledge of the people around you on your team, your officers, and that that grows as you go to different types of incidents and you deal with different things. You learn a little bit each time you go because you cannot, you know, learn the role of a firefighter in any length of time in terms of training. It is about what you do every day when you go into work. And that that is what is so fantastic about being a firefighter is you go in, you don't quite know what you're going to do, but you know you've got the skills and knowledge to deal with most things that kind of your way and you know that learning is phenomenal I think um, I don't think that we kind of realize how many skills we have got uh, as a firefighter that um, enable us to kind of support people in many different ways. Did you feel like you could take some of those things for granted sometimes? I think you just kind of it's when you're in the real world and we say the real world when you're not kind of on a on a fire station when you're not out in the community or you're doing your training or your prevention or your protection activities you realise then when you're kind of talking to your family and friends around how you deal with a situation, you know, if somebody's hurt, we go into kind of incident mode and, and kind of managing the scene and kind of helping the people. And you, you do transfer those skills. So, you know, that is fantastic. If you can help your family and friends and people when you're not at work, what a, what a great kind of skill to have. Yeah, that's, that's great. That's great. And Sasha, can you tell me a little bit about your background? Yeah, so um, mine's a little bit different, really. I kind of fell into this this career. Um, I had a friend who hadn't seen, a school friend, hadn't seen them for a while, bumped into them, asked them what they were doing. They were actually 
on a uh, it was a pre-recruitment course at a college within the West Mids, um, and said the space is still on there. You know, come and so the more they talked about what they were doing, I, I went along basically. Went to the, this pre-recruitment course for for fire service, um, and the more that I found out about the job, the more that you know I liked it. Especially at the time I was working six, seven days a week, and I'm thinking four days off. You, you know, you get that. You know, with these rotor days. But the more, you know, just the more that you, you, you kind of information that you found out, the more that it interested me. So we went through that course, applied for the fire service, managed to get through to, you know, the, the sort of the initial stages. Um, and then through that, you know, I was, I was then posted. So I joined in 1994. Um, I was posted to Sheldon Fire Station. Um, again, you know, busy station. And, you know, the, the same as the Sam said, really, you don't, really learn how to do the job until you get onto station. Is it kind of like a passenger driving test? It is, because you learn to drive, you learn, you learn all the technical aspects, you learn about the equipment, what to do, you know, d- different situations, your breathing apparatus, for instance, the procedures that you should follow when, you, when, you, when you're actually having to do it. But um, actually going out to jobs or going out to instance, again, with the community, you, you don't actually learn that job. And I think... Anybody in the fire service would be lying if they said they're still not learning. You know, over 28 years I've been in this job and, and you're still learning parts of the job, you know, even even now really. So, um, yeah, and the <coughs> from the start of that story, the, the friend that I bumped into, they tried about five times to get into Westminster Fire Service and never managed it, so we're not friends anymore. Cause <laughs> <laughs> Do you find that there's a lot of people that don't pass? Well, the assessment process is uh, the first port of call is an online assessment um, and we do uh, have a large number of people apply for the fire service and they go through that kind of assessment process online and there's also kind of, you know, checks on individuals and uh, that we go through. And then when they get through that online process, then they go through then into the different phases and then each time they're successful at those phases, then they go th- they go through to the next one. We do have a high number of people apply online um, and if somebody doesn't pass the first time, what they can then do is apply within a 12, after a 12-month period. So, you know, it's not like once you've applied and you're not successful, then that's it. Um, we do only recruit um, a small number of people compared to the people that apply um, and, yeah, People do not pass. That's with every selection process, isn't it? If you've got a lot it's of people, kind of the point, pro- isn't it? Really, you've got a yeah. lot of public. You, you know, the process. We really believe in the process. It brings us the right kind of person into the fire service because what we actually, you know, really strive for in the West Midlands is bringing in a diverse workforce because we know we've got a really diverse community out there across the whole of the West Midlands service area. So that process really does enable us to bring in. Um, a diverse range of people to represent the, the communities but it also enables us to engage with them in the right ways in the in the different cultures um, it brings a different level of thinking onto station um, which is really really positive um, and what we're really proud of so do you find that there's a certain type of person with regards to maybe their intestinal fortitude or like their their ability to be able to to deal with stressful situations do you find that there's a set of um, characteristics that are absolutely necessary. I had never heard the word intestinal fortitude. That's a new <laughs> one for me. Um, I think, if I'm my own personal experiences, I didn't know whether I would have the personal resilience to deal with some of the situations that I have been faced with. Um, and you know, both Sasha and I have, have been in the fire service long enough to have experienced a wide range of incidents that you know unfortunately people lose their lives and that you know does play on you it you know it it always stays with you every single one stays with you and that's really important because that's what drives us to kind of do the best we can do um I think you don't quite know till you do the role but what we absolutely do is ensure that our firefighters and our officers do have the right support to um kind of if they have been in a situation that is uncomfortable, is distressing, that we provide the right support for their mental health and well-being, and that is absolutely critical for us. So we do that um, with our post-incident debriefing, our critical incident debriefing, and our, our occupational health. So we absolutely support people. But if you'd have said to me 22 years ago, 
are you going to be able to kind of manage somebody who's had a limb amputation or has had a heart attack or he's deceased? I wouldn't have been able to answer that. And in fact, my mum said to me, you're not going to be able to do it. You won't like the sight of blood. I don't know how you're going to do it. She's going to, oh, are you sure you want to see, you know, kind of people who... And I'm like, actually, I, I really, really love the thought that I help people when they're in their worst kind of situation yeah. and, it, and it doesn't phase you. It's like your firefighting outfit or your uniform when you go into a, a vulnerable person's home and you can really make the difference. You don't even think about the impact on yourself. But that's not the same for everyone. And we all deal with things differently, but yeah. it's just how you manage that after, I think. Yeah, I think the, the, one of the big important things is that, you know, the fire service is a family, you know, whether you're on a watch or in a, a department, wherever you're working, you've got those people around you. And internally, we've got those support as well. You know, the, the awareness, the, the training as well, you know, with mental health courses, our Rocky Health, you know, they'll coordinate those. So everybody across the brigade is aware you know, somebody if they've been to an incident, they don't you you don't know from you know if I went to one now, I wouldn't know how I'd react, even though I may have seen something similar before. But you know that you've got those people to support you, know, that network within the fire service as well as Hockey Health and, and you know and police uh, people like that. So that's really important, I think, for for everybody in the fire service. I mean, I go to a job um, and I, I can sometimes be on my own. I you know come in. I'm not on a fire engine, so. Um, so I would you be in a, in a, in a car? You say, yeah, so I go in my car um, and I can go to um, a fatal incident and I make sure the crews are okay. But I always get a call from one of the other people that was there just to check I'm okay. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine. But it's just that, it's that kind of touching, touching out and reaching out to someone that might not mean anything at the time. But then I don't know, like Sash said, the next job we go to could be the one that kind of does have an impact or resonates with us, and you don't know that, but it's really, really reassuring to know that there are people, you know, who you work with that do, you know, care about you and check on your mental health. And, yeah, um, it's you need so it, important. otherwise you wouldn't get through it. You, yeah. you, you do need it, otherwise you, you just wouldn't. And, and is that, in particular, that particular situation, is that an internal process, or is that just your mates being really good and, and giving you a ring and, and looking after you? I, I think there's a go on, Sasha. Yeah, I was going to say a bit, bit of both, really. You know that there is, there is, as Sam said, you know, internal help and support there. Um, but it is, you know, we've worked with a lot of the people that we go out to incidents with for a long time. You know, um, so it is just that natural. Your mates picking up the phone or sending you a text saying, "Are you okay?" Um, so yeah, it, it's a mixture of both. I, I can imagine the bond that you that you develop together during traumatic incidents would be would, would be something possibly akin to to what you would be experienced maybe if you're in the forces. Am I, am I along the right lines? Yeah, I think I think what's really important is when you when you work in a team, um, whether that's a team out on station, out in the community, or a team here where we are in our headquarters. You know, you do work in quite and you know quite. Um, quite fast-moving situations where you do rely on people. Mm-hmm. Um, what is fantastic, whatever team I've worked in, in in the fire service, whether that's operationally based or here, um, I have always felt that I've had the support of the team around me and we're all driving for that kind of safer communities and we all want the best outcomes for the people in the community and that's what is at the heart, whether you wear a uniform or you're a non-uniform, if you're in fire control, taking that initial call, we all want the best outcome and that's what drives us, um, that, well that's what drives me and, and that's what I keep wherever I am is the kind of the centre of what I'm trying to achieve, why are we doing UKRO, why do we do all of these fantastic initiatives because ultimately it makes the community safer because they've had an interaction with us. And, and what is your role exactly, Sam? So my, I'm an area commander. Um, I am also the kind of project lead for UKRO 2022. Sorry, what's UKRO? So United Kingdom Rescue Organisation. Um, I've got other roles within the fire service responsible for fire control. I'm also, I was also responsible for uh, Commonwealth Games. Uh, which How was that? Oh, Busy, uh, but a fantastic experience, you know, absolutely brilliant, really. It has been a very busy summer. Uh, we had the Commonwealth Games, the build-up for that, working with our partners. Then we had the event itself. Um, we, 
yeah, it was really good, really good for the city. It was absolutely buzzing. Birmingham was buzzing. So Commonwealth Games and then straight after that, United Kingdom Rescue Organisation Festival 2022, which we are um, delivering at the end of October, September. I keep saying October. End of September, 29th to the 1st of October. Um, and it is a national event for fire and rescue services across the country to come take part in challenges, um, rope, working at height, water, uh, road traffic collision, so extrication. We have our fantastic teams from across the country doing our urban search and rescue, so basically just knocking through concrete, rescuing people, putting shoring up and that kind of stuff. is really kind of really good stuff, that so, is. So are these competitive? Yeah, so they're yeah. competitive. So they basically come compete against each other and then get crowned kind of the national champion. And then from that, they get to go to the world championships. Oh, wow. Um, uh, and there's one, actually, is this week in Luxembourg. Yes. And we have teams from our trauma team. They're uh, representing West Midlands Fire Service in the trauma challenge, which is f- fantastic. And they go and do the uh, world events. Um, yeah, so... So it's almost like being being an athlete, really. It, so- it sounds like you've, you've got like a a series of events that you can take place in as, as a, like as a side to, to being in your job. That that to me that yeah. would that would be yeah. really attractive to me to someone want, possibly wanting to go into the yeah. fire service. Yeah, I mean we call them challenges, but you know the, the UKRO event is it's a it's a huge event in the fire service calendar. Um, a, a fire service will host it every every single year. This year it's our turn, and we're really excited to be to be doing that. You know we don't get a chance very often because there's you know lots of people who want to host, um, and you know we call them challenges, but essentially they're, they're competitions, mm-hmm. um, and. You know, Sam said those different disciplines. Um, we're also on the top of that. We're doing a uh, a cadet challenge, which is going to be like a patient care challenge for them to involve the cadets, fire cadets that you know will eventually you know be in the fire service and be firefighters one day. Uh, and then we're doing a um, a fitness challenge. So the the fitness challenge is a, it's we've based it on the the national um, fire ground challenge that our firefighters can do annually. To, you know to remain you know part of part of their fitness so we've based it on that so we've got internal teams we've got external sort of fire services as well so we've got teams and fire services almost 40 fire services involved coming across across the uk so it's um so we've oh got wow. about 450 firefighters yeah, coming competing. into birmingham for that weekend you know they'll be um it will be competitive you know, they absolutely come because they want to win. Yeah. But what is really brilliant is the Fittest Firefighter Challenge is um, a challenge that we've developed that is operational staff, but also our non-operational staff. So it's open to anybody in the fire service um, family to come and take part. And we've been running uh, over the last couple of weeks, the last month, some fitness challenges that people can have a go. And, you know, the stories that they've shared with non-operational staff have said... Oh, and this is brilliant. Some have been like, you know, they absolutely get to the finish line, don't they? Yeah. Some have found it really difficult. Some have found it really kind of quite easy. But it's really opened their eyes to the role of a firefighter, and that and that's what this is about. It's kind of been really inclusive. And what can, what kind of challenges do do the non-operational people do? What can, what kind of what, what kind of things can they jump in on? So the fitness challenge. So they've been able what, what, to do the fitness challenge, and that is um, a kind of an eight. I mean, Sasha probably knows more of the details. Like an eight minute. Um, kind of uh, assessment that they carry different pieces of fire service equipment uh, that you would do on the incident ground. They wear a breathing apparatus set. Um, Presumably that's super heavy. Um, it's, it's okay. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. Well, do you know what I'm going to say? We're going to, why don't we challenge you to be part of that challenge? You look fairly fit. Have a go. Yeah, I'll have give a it go. Back, yeah. Yeah. yeah, come yeah, and yeah. have a go. Yeah. Okay, right, Sam, you got that. I think Sam's just, just come out there with like, I think she's, She's done a, a new world record there, so <laughs> eight minutes. Oh, I, would, I would like to see people are doing it, but um, so annually, five for operational firefighters can can do this five ground fitness challenge, and they have to achieve it within within eleven minutes and eleven oh. seconds. See. But we are seeing, you know, some people out there, especially the have a go sessions. We've seen sometimes of sort of eight, eight and nine, you know, just over eight minutes and nine minutes, yeah. which is amazing. That's you know, that's fantastic to do. So we're going to bring you into that. And it, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm well up for it. Are yeah. you up for okay. it? Yeah. Great. Right. Okay. Brilliant. Another, another person. Yeah, so you can do that before you leave, James, if you want. We've got it all set <laughs> up at the back there. You're sweating um, now. <laughs> well, there have been some fa- fantastic have a go. Like I say, you know, anybody who's either, you know, non-uniformed works in a department. We've had 
um, people, and and I've got to I've got to say that you know this person because I've got to pick him out. In but so we've got somebody who works in our facilities management called Mick. He, he'll know he is. Um, he had a go at this. He just wanted to to do it and he wanted to finish it. And he was there. You know, I won't give out his time, but it, it was way over eleven minutes, eleven seconds. But he was just so determined to finish it, and we we, we were. There's quite a few people out there cheering him on, and and he, you know, he did. He smashed it. He did finish it. You know, he. I think he had to go and have a lie down for a few hours afterwards. But he was. <laughs> I think he was really struggling. But you know, it. It like Sam said, it's fantastic that not just uniformed, because um, they they can do it, but non-uniform. It gives them that awareness of well, this is what operational, you know, firefighters would have to do annually if they want to, you know, sort of remain their competency and fitness, um, and it just gives that kind of awareness and, and mutual respect I, I guess really because mm. there were a few comments saying I don't know how they do it you know I just put the fire the fire kit on and I was like really hot let alone mm. having to run around with it or go into a fire and things like that so we've had some really good have a go sessions of, of all all staff you know inclusive all staff across the brigade and yeah it's been fantastic to see. I, th- yeah. I think what what has been brilliant for us and what we've experienced over the summer is the Commonwealth Games UKRO has enabled us to bring our operational staff together and non-operational staff to do similar roles to support quite, well, a major, major event and then a bigger major event for the fire service, bringing people together to kind of work with each other in a different way and experience something that I know in my career now, the the years that I've got left, we will never experience that. So these are once-in-a-lifetime or career opportunities and that's what's been fantastic about the, the you know, UKRO is we're, we're doing something that, yes, we're focusing on the challenge. UKRO as a charity is driving excellence in and innovation forward. So they, it's their challenge. For us, as the host brigade, it enables us to really kind of engage with our communities we're going to have a a really big community village on site so we're going to be at the smithfield site where the commonwealth games hosted the basketball and beach volleyball Um, we've got a really big site there we're going to have lots of things for families and children to do during the kind of the main two days of competition there's a community village um, what's, what's in the community village? So our partners, so kind of our local partners based out across our seven authorities are going to be coming in and they'll have that opportunity to engage with members of the public. We're going to have uh, the cadets from the Army, Navy and Air Force there. We'll have partners, our police colleagues, our ambulance colleagues. We'll also have um, some of our sponsors that are sponsoring the event are on site and doing educational workshops for the children, for families you know, if you want to ride a scooter around the city centre, you know, some educational classes as well. There's a little fair because we know kids like to have a little kind of uh, go on the fair. And I think Sashi's... And, um, and adults. And adults, yeah. So, yeah, so um, we've got um, lots going on in that community village. That That is an absolutely fundamental part of this for us. We'll also be work showing how we engage with businesses and community, uh, the business community, Um so yeah, so we'll have the challenges set up. Um, we've got our community village, and then we have an area where our kind of sponsors are are going to be situated. So yeah, we've got twenty two thousand square meters to fill, and I think um, we're we've filling it. it. Yeah, we have <laughs> we've done it. Yeah. So uh, you know, it is going to be a fantastic event. It's a free event. You know, we know it is challenging. It's challenging for everyone at the moment. Mm-hmm. So we want to really encourage people to use the public transport to get there on the Friday and the Saturday. The Saturday, we expect to see a lot of families um, and we want to really encourage people to come um, and take part, come and watch these firefighters who are training all year for this one event. So if you want to see a firefighter, you know, cut a car apart with a real person inside or a casualty lying on the floor that's kind of made up with injuries and there's been an incident and two firefighters go in and kind of treat that casualty... This is the kind of this is the event uh, to come to. It's going to be uh, and it's and it, as I said, I can't say it enough. It's free. That's that's really exciting. So, so you meant you mentioned there about about the business community. How does the fire service integrate with with the business community, and and, and how does that how does that relationship work? So um, with 
uh, our fire safety teams, um, our protection. So you might hear me say fire safety protection. They are kind of the the kind of the same team of people. Our fire safety inspecting officers go out and work with members of the business community. Now, we are kind of the regulator for West Midlands Fire and Rescue Authority. So we ensure that people kind of maintain the standards and, and keep people safe when they're in their business. And we have a really good relationship with our business community. We like to educate them. There's lots of things we can do before we get down the kind of the, the scale of enforcing activity, which we absolutely will do to keep people safe. But there's a lot we can do beforehand. So we work very closely with the business community, kind of keep, keep them safe when they're at work and then the people safe when they go into their, into their businesses. Um, you know, if a, if a business has a fire, it costs them a lot of money. The social um, impact on the community as well, the economic impact on the community for not having that business. And, you know, often businesses then don't then kind of re-emerge. So we want to make sure that people aren't in that in that position as well from an economic perspective. So we're really kind of proud of our protection activity. Our fire safety inspecting officers are fantastic. Um we also have our business support vehicle, which is like you might see around the city centre a mini that's got fire written all over it. It's quite crazy. Inside that mini will be a fire safety officer that is going out to business communities kind of all day from seven till seven. Um, if we get an alarm at a business um, or a premise, they will go, they'll educate, they'll look to see if there's anything they can do to support them. And they go out there and they are like our our first kind of contact with some people within the community. Um, and then they just engage. They engage during Business Safety Week. They engage in kind of community events. Um, and they also support our frontline services. So our resources that go out enables them to be freed up from an incident. So for if we get um, an automatic fire alarm, um, we sometimes mobilise a PRL, a, 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 an appliance or a BRV, they attend on the BSV and then it frees up our resources to be able to respond to incidents where there is life at risk. So it is it is kind of really an efficient way of using our resources. Sorry if that was really quite technical, but um, I was trying to think of an easy way to say it. But we've got a very big range of activities that work with the business community from our fire engineers who are really technical, really kind of, oh man, maths, it's off the scale. How they work is, is phenomenal. And we're really proud of our fire engineers, all the way down to kind of our business support officers that go out on a daily basis and kind of interact with people. So there's a really big range of resources that we offer. That's really, that's really interesting. So do you, do you find that there are things that b businesses are asking for from the fire service? I think we, we have businesses that are really proactive in coming forward with, we've got this situation, can we have some advice? Um, and we we always look at the education first. Don't get me wrong, if there is a severe kind of breach of their uh, risk assessments, then we will go down the enforcement route. But where we can and where we should is always trying to educate people because that changed behaviours. Yeah. That's what we need to do is change the behaviours of people first. So there's obviously quite a clear psychological aspect to changing people's behaviours. How do, how do you do that apart from enforcement of, of, of punishments, for example? Is, is, is there any... Presumably, presumably, there's some kind of consultation with um, some, like a, a psychologist, possibly, or not is, necessarily. Is not necessarily. I think it's the way we we use evidence in in the West Midlands Fire Service. We have an evidence based approach because the evidence drives then the thinking, and then when you can absolutely relate something back to if this happens and this is the evidence it gives a stronger argument to then change the behaviours of people. Um, ultimately, a business owner has to comply. Mm -hmm. So we want to make sure they do that naturally. That's part of their running of their business, their organisation. Um, and, and it can be challenging, but generally people kind of, once you talk through the what-ifs and the hows and how you do that, they're like, okay, and they want people to be safe in their in their businesses. Yeah, they also so don't want their business to burn down. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, well, nobody I'm wants a fire. And I think <laughs> that's the important the important thing is, you know, like, like Sam said, through education, you know, you, you use the word punishment there. We, you know, we, we probably don't try and perceive it as a, it's a punishment. Yes, mm -hmm. they've got to comply, but by giving them that education, like you say, the, the data, you know, the statistics that, that we gather as a fire service, but then also, you know, some people... 
you know, they don't realise, think, you know, it's always that, you know, well, I'll be all right, it's never going to be me, mm. but actually it could be. But then education on the impact that will have, you know, just closing your business for half a day, what is the financial impact? You know, what is the, like say, the social impact and, and, and the impact on your business? So educate them in that way rather than, you know, saying that we're going to punish you by doing, you know, certain things. It's that That's not what, what you know, the message we try and get across, really. We, we're there to support, you know, not one not one business will come with, you know, the, the same ask. It will be, we try and support them in every way to keep their business open and more importantly, to keep their business safe and their, and their, staff, their, their staff safe. So... Yeah, it's like a, a package of support, really, rather than, a, you know, an actual specific, you know, um, targeting of, of, you know, of any kind of business. Have you felt that economic support, support for, for the economic side, do you feel like that's developed over your time in the fire service? Yeah, I think I think it has, you know, the, the initiatives that, you know, fire service, our, us as a fire service that we've, we've, we've brought in, you know, we've got, we, you know, we do our... Um, sort of data collection on any business you know we, we do something called SSRIs that you know our site survey you know risks and then we've got safe and strong that you know that we also do so and that that is also apart from supporting a business who's who's had an incident themselves so I think initiatives will always evolve and we've got some really good initiatives that we're going on in Westminster Fire Service that again will, will help support any any business out there. And I, th- I think just to kind of build on what Sasha said there, our strategy around protection and fire safety is very inclusive. It is very kind of forward thinking. It is engaging. It is in- engaging with different business communities because we've got a wide range of different kind of cultures across the West Midlands as well. And they all kind of have their way of delivering their own businesses and services and it is making them safe. So our strategy within protection is very much around education, build understanding from that evidence base to then ultimately if somebody then doesn't comply uh, against the legislation that we are the authority in, in regulating that, then there is, a, there is a different path to take. But we will absolutely work with people to, to kind of do that in the first instance. And what was interesting there, Sash just touched on um, site-specific um, risk information uh, SSRIs, I've probably said that wrong, I've missed an S out. Um, and our firefighters are our first kind of um, engagement with business communities because they'll see them on a daily basis. They may even go there to attend kind of call-outs, minor incidents and such like. And what we do in our businesses and buildings where there is risk is we'll do this assessment, this SSRI, and that enables the crew to go out to that that building. So that's not necessarily a business. It might be a hospital, a care home, a school. They will go around and they will um, record and understand all of the risks within that building. Because what that, that does is makes our firefighters safe when they go to these buildings. It enables them to develop a, a water plan, which means, okay, if there's a fire here, where do I get the water from? And I know that sounds quite simple, but... In the heat of the moment, getting there, understanding when they're en route, they can look at that SSRI on the terminal that's in the appliance. They can already see where the hazards are. They can see where the dangerous chemicals are, for example, or uh, access points, water points. And they can even look at an, an initial firefighting action plan. So somebody in a kind of a really calm environment has looked at that building, looked at the risk and said, this is, what, this is the process that you would carry out initially when you turn up to this building, and it gives them a really good kind of head start. Um, Those SSRIs are absolutely fundamental to the way we manage risk in the community. And um, what we are really pleased to say is that um, kind of nine times out of ten, businesses will open their doors for us to go in and do those site-specific risk information kind of visits, and that's that's brilliant. yeah, that, that makes sense for businesses that they, they would want to, if, if ever an incident were to happen, that they mm. want it to be fixed as quickly as possible to, to, to save their business as, yeah. as fast as possible. Now, you, you mentioned like a, a terminal. So is that something that's available to, to firefighters? Like say, I, I, see, I've, I've clearly got no idea how any of this works, but is that available to them like on the way there? So would they, what, what, what is the terminal? What, what is that? So it's called a mobile data terminal, MDT, to, to a firefighter and officer. And it, it is in the front of the appliance or the brigade response vehicle and it enables the uh, officer in charge to view the information of the building 
It enables file control to send the messages. We can search for all our procedures are on there, you know, because once that in kind of initial phase of the incident is progressing, we might have a situation that we kind of just need to kind of understand some of the hazard and risk so we can view weather data on there. And it's it's available permanently on. So when the uh, vehicle leaves the station or a safe and well, if they're delivering a safe and well or a safe and strong, as Sasha just said, that then is with them en route, which is which is a fantastic kind of bit of, um, yeah, bit of technology and information source for them. Interesting so they know where the water is, where presumably like all the exits are, where any kind of danger is. Yeah, and also where the um, kind of, when we talk about water sources, we've got a lot of kind of canals, we've got a lot of open water sources, and sometimes the, there are no hydrants in that area because it might be kind of out a little bit more rural, or we're absolutely using all the water from those hydrants, mm-hmm. and then we can then supplement that water with an open water source. And I think that... That, that that information is key, but also from an environmental perspective. So when we're out there, you know, an incident, whether it's a fire incident or a hazardous material incident, can cause um, kind of uh, chemicals to be produced that may have a negative impact on the environment. And what we want to do is minimise that as quickly as possible. So when we know there's open water sources, we don't want our water runoff necessarily going into those water sources because there's areas of kind of natural beauty around mm-hmm. Birmingham that we wouldn't want to contaminate. So understanding all of that surrounding information is key so we can kind of minimise the environment, environmental impact of these incidents that we go to. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Now, you mentioned, obviously, a lot of the physical tests earlier. Now, what, what, what like the... Like, do you have any nutritional sort of... Not not necessarily requirements, but do you have like a set of things that a that a firefighter would need to be able to say maintain their body in the right shape to be able to do their job in a, in a specific way? Do you what are the what what are the, like nutritional sort of guidelines that you might that you might like need or even even if there's nothing set in stone, are the, are the things that that you, you that you do as as operators just maybe between yourselves or that you might recommend to each other so i think it and that's a really good question because it's something people don't think about um our firefighters we are all different that's what makes the west midlands fire service so brilliant is we're all different we're all different shapes and sizes what we do through our occupational health team is offer lots of guidance advice around nutrition healthy eating healthy lifestyles we've got some really fantastic uh, charities that work with us to provide kind of mental health and well-being for firefighters Um, and also things around the menopause because we have got an increased diverse uh, workforce we've got um, more female firefighters joining us uh, you know and getting to my age where you know there are other things that impact on us and the menopause Mm -hmm. is one of those and what we are really actively promoting is the impact that has on you know individuals in the workplace whether whether you're kind of in a team here or you're on a station and it's really important to recognize that so we've got some fantastic kind of um, wraparound support services that really kind of engage with people we do a cycle to work scheme um which is really popular so a lot of our firefighters and our staff you know traveling walking cycling and we really do actively promote that um you need to be you know um healthy you need to be mentally well to come to work in whatever role you do and and kind of enjoy it but also be able to kind of give the best out to the community Mm -hmm. so um yeah we do provide a lot of support um uh, to our staff in those areas because it's it's up and it's key for any organisation, isn't it? Yeah. What what kind of what what kind of say strength and conditioning kind of things do, do, would you have to do as a as, as a firefighter to, to keep yourself in shape? So I'm not a fitness guru. I'm really not. I, I do like my fitness. Um, uh, I do. I've always kept fit because I, I like it. Um, we have on all of our fire stations a gym, so firefighters can go into the gym. They have. Uh, time during their day to you know maintain their fitness what is brilliant and you'll see if you follow us on twitter is that some of the stations go out and they do the fittest firefighter challenge on the yard and that all the crew will go out or they'll do a pt session um they go in the gym and they work out because he's apps that's that's good for health and well-being but it's Mm -hmm. also good for mental health as well absolutely yeah yes so what 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 have been your experiences with with 
health and, and fitness within the fire service? Uh, well, m- mine would be on station, you know, mainly. So, uh, like Sam just said, you know, they'll, they'll come up with their own little fitness regime. There's a gym there. They'll they'll put aside, you know, a a time per day whenever that is to do to do you know things. And I think it is good for mental health, but also for an operational firefighter, they've got these you know standardised assessments that they've got, you know, to to pass and to get through annually. Um, and then some of their training will be for that as well. You know, there's some, we said about the fitness, but also there's a breathing apparatus. You know, it, it is, they're going into hot conditions and they've got to get through that. They've got to be physically fit and strength-wise to get, you know, to get through it. So they'll probably build, they'll, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll build a fitness session, you know, around those the competitors that they've got to achieve. Um, and for me, yeah, there was just different different things, really, you know, we used to do with We've had all all kinds. When I joined the watch, there was um, a, a female firefighter on there, and she was a, a yoga. I think she did yoga. I've and done yoga with my watch on pa- station. And <laughs> yoga and Pilates, <laughs> yeah. and trying to get you, you know all of us to do it. You, you can you can just see how it, it just didn't happen. Really. <laughs> we all started off with the best intentions. Come on, let's give it a go. It's quite uh, yoga's hard. It as is. Well, it it is yeah. really yeah. hard. Yeah. It just it just didn't happen. You know so. But there's been all kind, lots of different things, you know, across the across the years. But I think essentially, we'll just come up with our own routine. Some people, you know, will just do their fitness regime while when they're at work if they get the chance and they get that time to do it. So others will, you know, do it outside when the, you know when they but that and they'll bring that into the workplace and encourage others to do it. So I think, yeah, all in all, um, you know, experiences that I've had it's been lots of different things some of the challenge some of the challenges the competitions you've you've got to train for it and you've got to be you know physically fit and um to be able to get through them so mm. yeah they'll just practice and they'll come up with a, a different different routine and, and and things for themselves really uh, what's what's the food like in 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 a, in a fire station it varied really you know everyone has you know was again everyone's different you know people have you know they like what they what they like um, quite often, and especially now because you know we've just had the pandemic when we couldn't. But now you know starting to kind of cook for for each other. So for instance, you know um, th- there will be somebody dedicated. Um, you know, op- this is operationally this is that will you know be that sort of you know that that cook for the day. They may cook a cook a lunch or or something like that on an evening. It'll be you know we call it supper. So they cook meals for each other, and really, they'll kind of decide between themselves what, what you know what it is. It it could be you know things from sort of, I mean, I'm just going back now. This has always been a, a, a staple food in in fire service: chilies, you know, curries, you know that kind of thing. But then I think more and more, and again, you see fire service involved, and that's what it was always like when I joined. Now you know, it's like chicken and salad and rice and things like that. You know. Back in ninety four, healthier. Back isn't it? in ninety four, yeah. you know, when I joined, and that come out on a supper plate, salad, salad and rice. <laughs> what? Where's all the chili and the curry and the chips and you know and everything like that? So again, it, it, you know, people involved in there. But yeah, there's, there's such a variety, you know, across, you know, whether it's you know you're working in a department or whether you're working operationally. You know, people will bring in their own food and their own lunches. So it's it's yeah, and I think what's um, somebody's trying to call me. Um, what I'm also think is really important is, you know, and Sash just said there when he joined, when I joined, you know, your day revolved around kind of what you were eating. You were you'd go out in the community. Now we are in a much different place. Our our people, our staff, our resources are really flexible. So they go out during twenty four seven to do our prevention and protection activity. So our safe and wells, our safe and strongs training so we're really flexible and agile with that and with that as come comes a change in kind of behaviors on station where people then are more flexible when they kind of eat um it it tailors in now with what they want to kind of do to be out there in the community so that just shows the journey that the fire service itself has gone on um which is which is brilliant because our firefighters our staff when they are out in the community that is when they're making a difference and that is when they are doing safe and wells. Um, I used to work with a lot of vulnerable people. I really um, felt the value in working with people who who hoard 
Um, and I did that for a number of years as a vulnerable persons officer. You know, these are things and roles that people probably don't expect our firefighter to do. Um, you know, I've worked with some people who are in kind of really, really bad kind of situations and helping them to understand how they can make themselves kind of safer is a really key part of that. We can only do that when we're out in the community. So, you know, when you ask about food, uh, well, countless times where you've been eating or whatever, I eat really fast because I think 20 odd years of not wanting to miss a meal. Get it in before something goes wrong. It goes out and and leaving a meal and then coming back and then thinking, oh, that was really nice. But, you know, that's it. We're 24-7 and that's part of the role. And so what are the catering services like for, say, if you're on a, a really big incident where you've got to be out for, like, 24, 48 hours where you can't just nip off to the shop and get yourself a sandwich and you've got to be working constantly? What is w- What does a fire service do in that situation? Well, firstly, and I think it's really important to recognise that when we do have an incident, when we're there for a significant period of time, the community is fantastic. They really do kind of come out. They'll make your cups of tea. They'll bring food out. Local shops bring your pizzas. Yeah. You know, we we do have um, that kind of relationship and that brand that people come out and want to support us because you know it is challenging. It's hard work, and there's nothing like a cup of tea when you're kind of when you've been working for hours. Um, and um, you know that is a big thank you to the communities for doing that for us. We also um, have our firefighters have food that is on the appliance as well they carry their own water bottles for hydration you know all throughout the year we just had a really really hot summer Mm -hmm. so it's absolutely key that people keep hydrated um they have their own water bottle and we also keep packs on the appliance that um they're not they're not like army rations i think they probably taste a lot better but you kind of add water it then self-heats and then they've got a hot meal um, because you don't know how long you're going to be at an incident. It's really important that people eat to to be able to kind of um, kind of be okay. Um, I can't think of I can't think of many other jobs where you burn quite that many calories either. No, and 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 it is, and there's nothing you know because you you generally you know it's just like inevitable that the job that you get is just before you're going to eat or you know, hours after you've yeah. eaten. Yeah. So we just give them the the food packs that they can um, eat when they are uh, out and about. What kind of meals are they? There's a spaghetti bolognese. There's yeah, a hala- chicken curry. Chicken curry. Um, when we and we cater for all kind of uh, cultures as well, so people can like have halal meat, uh, vegetarian, mm-hmm. yeah. gluten free, and all of that. So and they're they're all actually they're not they're not bad. They're quite <laughs> you know when you're hungry and there's a hot meal and uh, there's a pasta bake. Um, there's a few different things. Sasha's probably got a different experience than me, but um, <laughs> I'm just I'm just I love food, so I, I'm happy. Like with Sam anything. said, when you when you've been at station or wherever you are and you've just sat down to this it looks delicious and then you get called out and then all you've got to look forward to maybe two or three hours later is this heated up <laughs> packet of of whatever it is you're going to have it you know it's, it doesn't compare but it, it on on you know on the other side of that is you're right you, you know whichever instant you're going to you could be yearning you know using up your energy really really quickly um and to replace all those you know that sort of sugars and and carbs that we need mm. to, you know, to get us through, the, you know, the next however long we're going to be there, they just, you know, welcome. You know, they're not, they are, they are tasty. Not the tastiest. In this is my experience or my opinion. So I don't mind them. I it's think it's which it's one you pick. <laughs> it's just to get you through. You know, you've got to eat something just to get yeah. you through. To yeah. you know, which is and and it's great. It's a great thing to have. Really. Have you got a favourite? Mine actually is the pasta bake. Pasta bake. The vegetable pasta bake. You can't go wrong with that. Chicken curry. I'm actually hungry now just thinking about it. (laughs) (laughs) So speaking of which, uh, the the event that we're doing together, um, tell me a little bit about that and tell me a little bit how how Fee Street have become involved. So I'll just start by by saying that, you know, this event really is in the heart of the city centre. We have got such a wonderful, diverse community that stretches across, you know, from Coventry to Wolverhampton. And... We want people to come to this event and really kind of experience different things. We also want people to come and feel comfortable that they can then kind of get the food um, and the experience that they are comfortable with as well. So in terms of the event, we know uh, we're going to be having 
a, a quite a wide array of different kind of food um, that is going to be available to different people, whether that's, you know, Chinese, Indian, Mexican, um, a good old traditional burger, all those kind of foods. So people can either come and experience something they really want, that, that that's what they like, uh, or experiencing something different. So that's what we're really, really excited about is that when you go anywhere, yes, it's going to be fantastic to see the challenges and the firefighters, the kids are going to be going around the community village, but everybody's going to be hungry. And it's really, you know, we just talked about feeding firefighters at incidents. We need to be able to feed people on a mass scale, yeah. you know, on a mass scale in really good, hot food. So, you know, we're really excited about kind of the diversity that, that, that you're going to bring to that event. Yeah, the, if I'm going to make a, a recommendation, it's going to be, if, if the Caribbean stands there, which I believe it is, the jerk fries are ridiculously oh. good. Oh, and then Very the loaded waffles. Yeah, yeah. I'm, <laughs> honestly, I'm going to have to do the fittest firefighter <laughs> challenge about four times just to be <laughs> able to <laughs> eat something on. Oh, you know, we're, re- we're, really, we're really excited about that. And the other thing I think which is important is we know times are challenging for people in terms of cost. So we want people to come to this free event we also want them to come and experience the food and all of the kind of the other things that are going to sit around it. And that's why we're working with you to ensure that the cost say any cost savings we can will go back to the consumer. So we're really, really pleased that the the cost of these items is going to be really kind of um, lower than normal. So any benefit that we as a fire service or you as a company uh, are getting is going to be passed back to the consumer. So we want people to come, we want them to eat, we want them to have great food, but we also don't want it to break the bank. So that that we're really proud we're really pleased and proud that we can offer that to people when they come. Amazing. I I think I think that's a a really good place to end. Is is there anything you guys want to add? Well one you're signing up to the Fittest Firefighter Challenge. So Sasha's gonna kind of kind of nab you after this Um, just to say that this event is um, on the fire service calendar every year it's in West Midlands it's in the heart of the city it's got a great rail and road network coming into it we're going to have lots going on and if you're kind of there late Saturday afternoon you may even see somebody dropping in from the sky there's loads going on and it is going to be it's going to be brilliant Uh, I want to thank my team who are delivering this and working with you guys and our other sponsors um, who are putting this event on because it is a big event. It comes with its own challenges, but we're absolutely committed to kind of making it the best the best thing that the fire service is going to kind of do this year. So, uh, yeah, really proud. Amazing. Yeah. And for, I just wanted to say from, you know, because obviously we're doing this, you know, in partnership with this podcast, in partnership with, with Fee Street, I just think the, the one, the support that they're giving... Um, for me, you know, it was we've built such a relationship now. It's it's an an easy company to work with, really. You know, and the fact that, and I'm just going to bore you with a little bit of logistics here, is that logistics for me to get that event, you know, full of what we want in there for for our, for our community. Fee Street have made it so easy because it, it comes as one. I'm dealing with one person, one company, and they bring all all that different variety, you know, to the actual the the food aspects to to our community. So I just think this partnership and what we've done, you know, with Fee Street is it's been sort of fantastic. And um, we look forward to seeing everybody there at this event. Um, like I say, it's a free event. So and enjoy come along and enjoy food. it. Yeah, absolutely. Amazing. Thank you very much for your time. Thank Cheers. you. Thanks, Thank James. You.